0: Just because I couldn't turn on the light to see where I was in my game. Boy, did I run into a lot of Wizmer. God damn it, I hate Wizmer. It's a stupid little pink Pokemon. What's poppin' y'all? Welcome to Post Finale. I am your host, Ankit Madeira. I'm an actor and a musician who hasn't seen a lot of films, so to keep my friends happy and potentially provide a new perspective on some popular films, I am on a quest to change that. I am not on this quest alone, however. This week, I am joined by Cheyenne Waters from Sydney, Australia, who is a makeup artist. Cheyenne, welcome. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. So, I'm very excited, because we're talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I don't know much about it, but before we get into that, I know that you love the film. When was your first mm-hmm. time seeing it? Do you remember your first time seeing it, anything? How did you become a fan?
1: My first exposure to Rocky was probably when I was about eight. And we went to this chain restaurant from my dad's, I think it, he was like, it was one of his forty, in his 40s birthdays. And it was a monster steakhouse and they had, like, wax models of, like, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz with an axe in her back and the bathroom toilet doors would creak and there'd be, like, smoke haze and all that. But they had, like, character actors as the waiters and waitresses and they got people up to do the time warp. So that was probably my first exposure to Rocky. But my first time ro- watching it... I think I was about 13 or 14 at the time, and we bought the DVD from a Kmart and watched it at home, and a lot of it
0: went over my head. It actually scared me the first few times I watched it.
1: I but mean, then the music clicked.
0: Based on how far I am, that's understandable.
1: <laughs> it's, it's true, because like, it, even like the DVD player menu is what scared me, because it had the lips talking you through the menu but it also had a pair of legs in fishnets and high heels and it would kick the play button and the play button would spin around and then it just freaked me
0: out <laughs> that just seems like fun i mean our entertainment was trying to wait for the little like dvd symbol to hit the corner
1: At least that's not scary. At least it's not just a pair of legs with no torso.
0: What do you mean? I see nothing wrong with just a pair of legs. I mean, look, if I'm walking down the streets of London and I see just a pair of legs, honestly, I might keep walking. (laughs) (laughs) This day and age, nothing surprises me. (laughs) Nah. (laughs) Nice. So, yeah. I don't know a lot about this film. I know it exists obviously, but the things that I know about it are the time warp. So I know the song mm-hmm. and I know the dance to it or I did know the dance to it. I'm sure that I can probably pick it up pretty quickly again mm. because we had we did it in pet band in high school. And so it was like a really common thing that we would play the song and whenever we would play the song we would always do the dance to it. Um mm. And It does kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, it kind of, you know, you can't have just the song. You have to do the dance. Yeah, I know that Tim Curry is amazing and fantastic, and that's all I know. Uh, I know yeah. that it is a cult classic of sorts. Mm-hmm. Something about watching it live is better than watching it in my living room.
1: Yeah, depending on who you are. I prefer the live show. But that is, I'm probably a little bit biased because I do love musical theatre. So I do prefer the stage show version. And, like, that's what the movie was based on as well. It was originally the stage play. So maybe that's also why I'm biased towards the stage show version than the movie. But the movie is just, the movie is, like, it's just not everybody's cup of tea. It's like Vegemite. You either like it or you hate it.
0: I've never had it, so I don't know. So where do you land on the veg, we might debate? Do you love it or do you hate it? Well,
1: see, I love it.
0: But okay. I, think, I think I'm just weird. <laughs> just, <laughs> just personally. You know what? We're okay with that. We like weird people. We're all weird. We're all different. I do know something about iconic costumes. Um, mm-hmm. I just know that the costumes are kind of iconic. Like, I know that a lot of people costumes, dress up. Right. When they go see yeah.
1: It. yeah, that's a big part of like any live performance of it or a shadow casting is people will dress up as the characters, whether that be like really conservative with a Janet character or they'll go full on like Frankenfurter and, and just lingerie and fishnets and they will go see a show dressed up as their favourite character. It- it's quite. A
0: <laughs> Fair. Fair. I also did know that there was lots of singing and dancing, but you explaining that it was based on a musical now explains why there is so much singing and dancing?
1: Yeah. Well, it, it's it's a musical nonetheless. It's, whether it was the film first or a stage show, it's a musical because of the amount of songs. Right. And dancing within it. But... I think um, since the movie is a little bit strange, thinking that it's based on a stage show kind of puts it into perspective. Especially the way that it's shot, because it was it's low budget, and yeah. you can kind of see the stage elements within a, a cinema, cinematography perspective.
0: Yeah, and we'll get more into that as we talk yeah. about it. But yeah. I was really excited because I don't know a lot about this, but every time that I told someone I hadn't seen this film, they were like, uh, what's wrong with you? Which is generally the reaction I get when I tell people I haven't seen a film. It got to the point where I was talking to one of my flatmates as I was watching this film, and he kept asking me questions while I'm trying to watch the film, and I had to pause and be like, dude, like, you're great. I love you, but like I'm also legitimately trying to work. I know it doesn't seem like that, but like watching this film is a lot of work. You're asking me questions to things that I don't know the answers to. Your phone is next to you, just look them up.
1: It's it's funny though because um the course that I'm doing is specialized makeup. So I've already done a makeup course, so I'm technically a qualified makeup artist, but I'm doing special effects makeup at the moment. And one of the girls in my course is very much the same. Has not seen a single movie in her entire life. I think she's seen she's seen The Sound of Music and she's seen the Brady Bunch. And that's about where her pop culture knowledge is at. That's it. <laughs> Fair. I mean like I need her to listen to this podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was with so I was with my flatmate and his sister who was visiting. And we were out at dinner one day, and we were talking about this, of like how I hadn't seen anything. But then we were at an Indian restaurant, which had like movie posters on the wall. So I just was like, hold on. I started looking at all the posters, and I was like, yeah, I've seen that, I've seen that, I've seen that, I've seen that. And I was like, oh... I've realized why I haven't seen a lot of movies because I grew up watching Bollywood movies. So a lot of like, I've seen a decent number of movies, but like also a decent number of them have been Bollywood movies that I've seen growing which up.
1: Which makes sense. <laughs> which does make sense.
0: <laughs> and so it's just like, yeah, okay. If like my family and I were going to watch a movie, chances are we yes. were going to watch like Lagan, which is one of my favorite films, if not my favorite film. Like, chances are we're going to watch that over The Godfather.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's one I haven't seen.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen The Godfather either. Um, I I did learn recently that there's more than one. I knew that there was more than one, but I haven't seen that. See,
1: I'm... I love my films, but I always jump on the bandwagon really late with films. So, like, I think I watched the Harry Potter films when I was 16. Not, not when they were coming out. I, I sat through half of the Titanic and got bored, so I stopped watching that.
0: I've and, never seen the Titanic.
1: No, I just... And then with the Star Wars franchise, I've only watched, like, 20 minutes of the first film, and I'm like, nah.
0: So I... <laughs> I love Star Wars, at least until recently. And the reason that I say at least until recently is there's just too much, and I can't keep up anymore, so I don't know what's happening.
1: <laughs> Plus, I think what ruined Star Wars for me was I watched the the, the parody film Spaceballs. That's, like, just mocking Star Wars the entire time. And I just preferred that. (laughs) Look, it's a really good film. I just really liked that one instead of Star Wars. I'm like, I'd prefer to watch
0: John Candy over Harrison Ford. Fair. I don't, I know I've seen Spaceballs. I just don't remember it very well because I've only seen it once. And it was like on a school trip where they put it on in like the bus or something was, like, when I watched it. It was on some school trip at some point in my life. So, like, I have seen it. I just don't remember it very well.
1: I'm just And I'm also just a stickler for really bad movies. Yeah. Like, bad movies. It's oh. like a novelty song. That's what I like.
0: Trust me. I get what you're talking about. Because, like, last week, I was like, hey, I should watch a movie. And then, you know... Instead of watching something intellectual and, like, smart or good, I watched Clifford the Big Red Dog. And while I was watching Clifford the Big Red Dog, the new one with, like, Jack Whitehall, I was like, this is a bad movie. I remember the old one. (laughs) Yeah. As I was watching it, I was like, this is a bad movie. Why am I wasting my time watching this movie? What am I doing with my life? Did I turn off the movie? Hell no. I still watch that whole movie. But like, this is what happens. is like, I get curious. I'm like, I wonder if this is any good. I start watching it, realize that I'm not really enjoying it. But at this point, I'm committed. So I finish the movie.
1: No, <laughs> you know, that, that sounds about accurate. I do the same thing. I'm like, this is bad, but it's so bad that it's good. So I'm going to continue watching it and see what happens.
0: It wasn't even like that. I look, uh, respect to anyone who worked on that film, I didn't even feel like it was that with Clifford. Honestly, I was just like, This is bad. Why am I watching this? Why have I wasted my time? I'm not like even with like, you know, a four or five year old, I am a 25 year old just chilling at home watching this film.
1: I do the same thing because I'm 22, almost 23. I would still watch Clifford because. Like my childhood was the cartoon Clifford, so I'd be like, "Yes, I'm going I grew to up watch with Clifford. I loved it. Yeah, Honestly, like, it was I adorable." Specifically, sitting in the lounge room watching Clifford and being like,
0: "Oh my god, I wish I had a big red dog." <laughs> right. Oh. Anyway, we're here to talk about Rocky Horror, which I don't think we yeah. have successfully done for like about the last fifteen minutes. So we're off to a great start. We started- so- <laughs> we did start, we have discussed what we know about the film, but maybe we should yeah. discuss the film. So <laughs> so we start off with this rock ballad, and in initially I was like, oh, it's the Rolling Stones with the red lips. And I was like, great, it's just mm-hmm. bright red lips starting to sing, and they're singing a song called Science Fiction Double Feature by Richard O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Richard O'Brien did write the score, so, you know.
1: He wrote everything. He was the entire creator of the entire thing.
0: And, Mm. yeah. So, then we get the title card of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then it's followed by the credits. Now, I... So, the credits, very simple. Just to start off, you have Tim Curry as Dr. Frankenfurter. And I noticed as they were singing the song that certain lyrics in the song lined up perfectly with... The title cards as they were coming in. So, with Tim Curry as Dr. Frankenfurter, who is a scientist, you have Dr. X, Susan Sarandon, I think I pronounced her name right, as Janet Weiss, a heroine. Mm -hmm. And then the line was, We'll build a creature. Barry Bostwick as Brad Majors, a hero. See androids fighting was his line. That one threw me for a loop. Richard O'Brien, the one and only, as Riff Raff, a handyman. Brad and Mm -hmm. Janet was the line. Patricia Quinn as Magenta, a domestic. Anne Francis Starzin was the line. And then you have Mm -hmm. Little Nell as Columbia, a groupie. Forbidden Planet is the line. Jonathan Adams as Dr. Everett V. Scott, a rival scientist. And then we just get wah, 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 which was fantastic. I love it. Great. And then you have Mm -hmm. Peter Hinwood as Rocky Horror, a creation. At the late night was the line. And then you had Meatloaf as Eddie, ex-delivery boy. Double feature picture show was the line. And Charles Gray, the criminologist, an expert. Mm -hmm. He didn't get a line.
1: (laughs) He didn't deserve
0: one. But... I had a prediction of what I think is going to happen, and we'll see. We'll see how right this ends up being. But my prediction is that Dr. X, a.k.a. Dr. Frankenfurter, so Dr. Frankenfurter will create a creature who is Janet Weiss. The hero, Brad Majors, will be on the side of Dr. Frankenfurter and Janet and help hide Janet. Riff Raff, Magenta, and Columbia are all part of a friend group, and they have to create chaos like they just enjoy creating chaos and dr everett v scott is against dr frankenfurter wants to foil his plans and he has the help of eddie they successfully pull off the crime and the criminologist must come in to solve the crime which leads to loads of hijinks while dr frankenfurter tries to keep his creation of janet hidden this is what i think is gonna be happening hmm yeah, I appreciate that. You can't say a lot. All right, moving on. <laughs> it's
1: like what you're saying is not wrong, but it's also very wrong. It's like I'm very torn. <laughs>
0: yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll 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 see how this goes. Um, I'm gonna guess not well. So, <laughs> look, based on my track record, not well. So then we go back to the singing lips, and mm-hmm. it, you get a beautiful shot. You get the tongue as it's uh, running across the lips, and the lips go away, and we're left with just the teeth. And I was like, oh, well, this is ominous. And then I did something slightly silly. Uh Um, Yeah, I, so it came up, and it was like, original music and play, music and lyrics by Richard O'Brien. So I was like, okay, cool, so I wrote that down. And then it said the screenplay. And I was like, okay, I'm going to write down a couple of these names because it's not going to be everybody. Like, it'll be fine. I'm just going to write down the important ones. It turns out I'm pretty sure they put the entire credits at the beginning of the film. And as we established on me watching Clifford, I committed. (laughs) So As you should. (laughs) As I should. uh, I committed. Look, if I learned one thing from doing improv for years, it's commit to the bit. So Mm -hmm. I've committed I will not be doing this for future films most likely unless my stupidness gets the better of me again and I do this again on accident but I'm about to read out every single one so here we go. Original Music and Play, Music and Lyrics by Richard O'Brien, Screenplay by Jim Sharman and Richard O'Brien, Musical Direction and Arrangements by Richard Hartley, Director of Photography, Peter Szytski, Film and Music Editor, Graham Clifford, Design, Brian Thompson, Original Costume Design, Sue Blaine, Incidental Music, Richard Hartley, Dance Stage, David Taguri, Sound Recordist, Ron Barron, Music Recording, Keith Grant, Dubbing Mixer, Bill Rowe, Dubbing Editor, Ian Duller, assistant editor Rodney Glenn, camera operator Dennis Lewiston, camera focus Mike Roberts, art director Terry Auckland Snow, construction manager Dick Frift, set designer Ian Whittaker, makeup Peter Rob King, based on the original makeup and designs created by Pierre LaRoche, hairdresser Ramon Go, wardrobe Richard Pointing, Gillen Dobbs, Production manager John Comfort, first assistant director Mike Goins, continuity Sue Mary, casting Consultant, Celestial Falk in the UK and Otto and Windsor in the USA, production accountant Rob Swine- Swineburn special effects Wally Weavers, Colin Chilvers, associate producer John Goldstone, executive producer Lou Adler, produced by Michael White, directed by Jim Sharman. That's fabulous! Uh, applause for that! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I could have probably done a lot better if I mispronounced any names. I'm really sorry if any of these people are listening. Uh, let me know, because one, hello, welcome, very well done on a job well done. Two, if I mispronounce your name, tell me and I'll get it. I'll put in an editing note later and tell you that I got it right. I'm very sorry if I m- mispronounced names. I was surprised which, that which I got is. Pierre Laroche right.
1: But which, as a makeup artist, is pretty interesting for me because he did david bowie's makeup oh okay like designs for david bowie so for him to be i've dyed my hair very 1976 david bowie so knowing that david bowie and rocky horror have a connection makes my heart very happy
0: <laughs> that's wonderful is he it's most famous fun for doing makeup for david bowie or like i'd
1: say so but I, if it was the Sydney stardust era from what i remember is what he designed i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure that's correct and then to do frankenfurter's makeup design i mean he did all of them but frankenfurter being the main character really it, it's a big uh makeup scene for me being like oh my god
0: those two are connected fair mm. fair so this is science fiction double feature and then we go back to the chorus from mm-hmm. tim curry time and we fade into a wedding processional and it's eleven fifty five in the morning if anyone was curious and we are at the Denton Episcopalian church and we see some people are married. Everyone's happy and everyone's just trying to get a picture and they finally get it. They're thrilled, yay. The photographers all have interesting smiles and I was like, okay, I don't I don't love this, but sure. Yeah, it's a bit awkward, this bit. Yeah, we then see American Gothic, like a replica of it. We see two people blocking the doors to enter the church and someone wants to enter again. I'm gonna guess that it's probably the priest. And then you have the groom and my guest was the best man. And they go away for a little talk. And the groom is very happy. You get the awkward shoulder punch of like, yeah, like, don't worry, buddy. It's going to be okay. You get that fun little awkwardness. And the best man says that the groom and Betty are almost inseparable since they met in Dr. Scott's refresher course. And the groom says that was the only reason he showed up. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair
1: enough.
0: (laughs) It was a boring class. Groom didn't have many other reasons to go other than woo a girl. He had to have some form of agreement, yeah. (laughs) Look, he had a mission. I guess it was successful. Uh, Yeah.
1: His goal was.
0: was to get married to this girl. He got married to the girl.
1: Yes. He had to have some form of
0: entertainment, and it ended up in marriage. (laughs) There are worse ways that it can end up. Exactly. Yeah. So, the best man is Brad Majors, and it's time for the bouquet toss. And it's tossed, and it's caught by a woman in a light purple dress. Like, it's a suit top, but, like, the bottom is a skirt. What do you call that? Do you know? Oh, see, I would say
1: a women's suit, but that feels very... Not of this age. <laughs> just like, I mean, women were wearing pants back then
0: as well. It wasn't
1: 1950.
0: No, it was the 70s.
1: Yeah, so I don't know what to call it. I just call it a suit. So she Although had a skirt wasn't... on
0: and then there was a suit top and a blazer. Yeah. There you go. That's her outfit. And it was light purple. And she had a white hat on too. Mm-hmm. Turns out this is Brad's girlfriend, and the groom says that it could be your turn next. And I was like, what is this acting by this groom? What is going on? This is wild.
1: <laughs> it's just, it's so much campy energy.
0: Nothing can be contained. <laughs> I'm here for the camp, but like that was an extra level of camp.
1: And it just continues to grow throughout the entirety of the film.
0: But, like, a lot of the rest of the camp that I've seen so far still makes sense in terms of the camp. Yeah. So, <laughs> the groom says bye. And then Brad has a deep, worried look on his face. And then we see on the side of the wedding car wait till tonight. She got hers. Now he'll get his. What the fuck? <laughs> no secrets. No secrets. None. Just hey, they're gonna <laughs> go have happy fun time. <laughs> yeah. Have <Yeah. sighs> to go have some happy fun time. So uh, at least they're honest. <laughs> yeah. The bride and the groom leave and people chase their car. Something that I've never understood. But sure. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> Why not? I don't get the cans on the back of the car either when people do that. That part makes less sense than people chasing the car. Yeah. Because chasing the car, you can still say, no, like, it's love and support, and they just want to see them for as long as they can as they go off on this new adventure. What is the point of cans on a car? Other than to cause traffic problems. And noise. And litter. (laughs) Like, what, you're telling me that you're gonna get on the freeway, and then, like, one of these cans is just gonna, like, they're just all gonna stay on perfectly, because some eight-year-old got the job to tie the cans to the car? Yeah, one flies off. Like you, you very well know that like that's a job that's given to like an annoying older kid or like a teenager who they just need out of the way for a little bit. They're like, "Hey, go do this because it's gonna take you like half an hour, and I just don't have to deal with you." <laughs> Maybe yeah, that's or it's where okay, the tradition so starts. And will do a really shit job. Exactly, it's one of the two. Um. And maybe maybe that's where it started, is parents just needed some peace of mind. So they were like, go attach these cans to this horse, and like try not to get kicked. And then it just evolved, and now it's you attach cans to a car? So, Brad's with this girlfriend, and they loved the wedding. And she can't believe that one hour ago that it was Betty Monroe, and now she's Mrs. Ralph Hapsatch. Again, another thing I don't understand. We're just, we're just on this train at this point of things I don't understand. How does her name change like that? This has never made sense to me. A patriarchal society. That's what it is. And it's stupid because like, here's the thing. It is. I understand if you're like, oh, like, you know, now she's Betty Hapsatch because she decided to change her last name, sure. Or Betty Monroe Hapsatch because she decided to do the hyphenated thing and change her name. Mm-hmm. But how does her name go from Betty to Ralph? She's a new woman. A completely new name. Apparently, like, what? They're gonna get to an event and just be like, Hi, my name is Ralph. This is my wife, Ralph. Like, is that what you're doing, Ralph? Is that what's happening now? I don't get it. <laughs> it's, it's stupid.
1: It is stupid, but God, it would be funny for an actual couple to walk up and be like,
0: Hi, I'm Ralph. This is my wife, Ralph. I feel like there are definitely couples out there that like have names like Alex, where they're just both named Alex, or like they both go by Alex. Or I'm sure that there are other names. Alex is just the only one that's popping into my head right now. <laughs> yeah.
1: Alex makes sense, or like Ricky. That, that also works.
0: Ricky, sure
1: yeah 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 but again it
0: doesn't make any sense no sense no at all. so most
1: of this movie doesn't make sense and you'll learn to know that like like most of this wedding processional most of them show up later in the film as different characters and there's debate between whether it was a plot point of uh these are people spying on frankenfurter or frankenfurter spying on them or it, what i believe is it's just a low budget film and they needed people to film multiple roles
0: yeah no that, that's probably <laughs> so again, what it is
1: things that don't really make sense i just that's the film the entire film doesn't really make sense
0: and there's nothing wrong with having actors play multiple roles huh? i mean no look you do what you do and honestly probably one it paid the actors more and two gave them more to do <laughs> Rather than just be like, hi, your entire job for this entire film is to just, like, stand here for, like, five minutes, and then you can go home. Like, as an actor, that's a very boring day on set. Yeah, Don't get me wrong, I'm very happy to do that. But at the same time, it's a very boring day on set. (laughs) So... Janet is looking at Brad lovingly. And without missing a beat, Brad, who is paying no attention, is just like, yes, Janet, Ralph's a lucky guy. And immediately I was like, well, I was wrong about Janet being a creation by Dr. Frankenfurter. Let's see mm-hmm. how well the rest of that goes. There is still hope that Frankenfurter and like Dr. Everett V. Scott are rivals and Eddie is still helping Dr. Everett V. Scott. But I we'll said
1: see. you were right about a few things. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see. just have to get
0: to that. <laughs> we'll just have to get to it. So Brad starts walking and Janet follows. And Brad's starting to make an awkward conversation. He's like, Betty's a wonderful cook. And they're just walking through a graveyard. And right behind the graveyard is a large sign that is white with a red heart that reads, Denton, home of happiness. And home of happiness is like on an arrow shooting through the heart
1: it's just whenever i see that scene i just think god that's such a strange place for advertisement just amongst the headstones yeah yeah, yeah i understand it being at the front of the church
0: but just gravestones yeah as someone who does have a marketing degree not the best marketing strategist out there like just placement no. just placement yeah if it was like
1: where the people walk in and out frequently makes a little bit more sense. (laughs) But just...
0: And it's wild because, like, you see, like, gravestones, 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 big white sign, and then nothing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) there's nothing. (laughs) Yeah. So the awkward conversation just continues, and Brad's like, well, Ralph is up for a promotion in a year or two. And Brad says he's got something to say. Janet wants to hear it. And Brad's like, I really love the thunderclap. And there was a thunderclap. He didn't say thunderclap. And I was like, oh, well that's a skillful way. Like, you beat the other girls to the bride's bouquet. And I was like, wait, what? So the line in total is, I really love the skillful way you beat the other girls to the bride's bouquet. And And there's just
1: the awkward pauses in where he says it
0: too. Oh, it's horrible.
1: And and that I think um, when, because it was a box office flop, oh, I... like when it was first released. Okay. So they started doing uh, midnight screenings of it, and that's kind of where the whole Rocky Horror community started, was midnight screenings. Someone was in the audience and started to talk back to the screen, mm-hmm. and that's where audience callbacks come into it, whether it is the film or the stage show or like a shadow casting where like college kids will act out the film in front of the screen and where the awkward pauses are are where lines lay like where it goes i really loved it and then there's the pause people will normally say starts with an s and then it will say skip away and it it's the entire film and i'm pretty sure there's like audience participation scripts out on the internet somewhere. I remember finding one when I was about 15 or 16. But yeah, that's also a fun bit of Rocky Horror that probably makes it slightly more enjoyable than just watching the film as a film.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I watched this film as a film.
1: I enjoyed it,
0: don't get me wrong. I was just confused. At least like how far I am currently, I'm just confused. I don't know what's happening.
1: I'm still
0: lost. It makes no sense. What? Anyway, let's get to why I'm being confused. So Janet's smitten, and we have some up-tempo music, and it's time for a song. And as it as it will be, as it will be, I'll do my best to describe the songs, but also they're songs, and they're sometimes hard to describe. So my recommendation is, uh, if you don't want to watch the film, that's fine, no worries. Uh, just go listen to the soundtrack so that like. It is legitimately a good soundtrack, and I will give it to be that. Like, fair,
1: yeah, to be fair, if you didn't want to watch the film, because the film is very much cup of tea. It's either you like it or you hate it, but the music itself is really good.
0: Yeah, great music.
1: Just listen to the soundtrack, it's fabulous.
0: Yeah, I would recommend the soundtrack. So, like, I'll do my best to describe these songs, but the mm-hmm. gist of the song is that Brad is saying how he loves Janet and he proposes to her. And he draws a heart with chalk on the church doors, and then the American Gothic couple go to clean it, and then they go inside. I just thought that was funny. And there are three ways a love can grow. You have good, you have bad, you have mediocre. Mm -hmm. I guess it can grow mediocre.
1: Uh my brain likes to think of that to make it sound a little bit better as like love growing increasingly
0: platonic. <laughs> oh, fair, fair, fair. Okay, sure. No, no, we'll go with that. Better, that sounds that's nicer. Probably
1: not how they made it. No, <laughs> no, no, we'll go with that. That sounds
0: nicer. So <laughs> they are very excited. Janet jumps away to show off her ring before she gives Brad a kiss. And initially I was like, what the hell, Janet? Brad just wanted a kiss. He just proposed to you. The least you could do was like, you know, show him some affection, even a hug. No, you're just like, I'm going to go show off this ring. I don't like Janet.
1: Brad goes through some really dark stuff throughout this film, and it starts from that point.
0: I'm just just saying, Janet, like, if you're truly in love with Brad, show him maybe a little bit of love and appreciation. Like It would have been nice, yes. It would have been nice. Poor Brad. We'll see if he gets better. So, there's one thing left to do, and then the American Gothic and the priest bring in a coffin, which was fantastic. And oh, that's my favorite
1: bit. That's yeah. my favorite bit where they spin around the flowers, so they go all dark, and then they just carry in the coffin. That's my favorite bit out of that. It's, like, the start of the film.
0: Yeah, I don't really know why, but, like, sure, coffin. Why not? It's a church. It's both life and death. <laughs> I like how the priest is just like, Great, the wedding's done, time for a funeral. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, Very we proactive. Have, we have, Yeah, we have a schedule to keep, we have a schedule to keep, that's it. Time so, constraints is what it Exactly. Is. So, they have to go meet the person whose class they met in, and I was like, Dr. Frankenfurter? We'll find out. So, we then see a man smoking in his office, and looking at the picture of Dr. Frankenfurter, and others, and says... He would like to take us on a strange journey, if he may. He pulls a folder, and it looks like pics of Brad and Janet and the wedding that just happened, and says it seemed a fairly ordinary day when Brad and Janet, two young, ordinary, healthy kids, left Denton that late November evening to visit Dr. Everett V. Scott. So, not Frankenfurter. Also, right. Brad mentioned this, literally, like, three minutes ago in movie time. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Yeah. But Dr. Everett V. Scott is an ex-Tutor and is now their friend. hmm And it is true that there were dark storm clouds to which they were driving and that the spare tire they were carrying needed air. But as normal kids on a night out, they weren't going to let a storm ruin their evening. And so on the night out, they went out on a night that they would remember for a very long long time now yes. Yeah. before we get on this night out i think we're gonna take a quick break for intermission and then we'll come right back hello everyone and welcome to this episode of post finale i hope you're all enjoying this episode as we start going through the rocky horror picture show and all the hijinks that ensue in this film If you want to help support the show in a monetary way and gain access to some bonus content, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash post finale, signing up for any of the tiers. You get loads of bonus content and you will also be supporting the show and any of the money that is made from this Patreon goes directly back into the show to help make it a better show for you, the listeners, and a better experience for you, the listeners. If you want to help support the show in a non monetary way, word of mouth is the best way to help grow the show. It really does mean a lot to me. If you share the show with your friends, your family, just reach out and be like, hey, I know you love films. Come check out this new podcast. The guest is funny and silly and humble and legitimately doesn't know anything about these films. But I think you would enjoy it seeing it through someone's eyes for the very first time. Thank you to everyone who has done this in the past, who will do this in the future. Also, be sure leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever podcast app you use to listen to the show. It really does help the show a lot. And last but not least, if you still want to help out the show, be sure to follow us on social media at Post Finale Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Some changes are coming to Post Finale soon. Don't worry, they are all good changes for you, the listeners. I don't want to do anything that'll hinder you all but everything that is coming and up and coming that is going to change and updates and everything like that we will announce it on social media so be sure just check it out at post valley pod on instagram facebook and twitter and thank you so much for tuning into this episode so let's get back right into it and find out what hijinks are brad and janet getting into So, we are driving with Brad and Janet in the car in the woods. Lots of rain. Brad is driving. Janet mm-hmm. is reading the paper at night. And also, the light is on in the car. And then I was like, was that a thing in the 70s? But also, I don't know about you, but did you grow up thinking that it was illegal to turn on the light inside of the car? Yeah. Unless you know, we okay. were, like, parked.
1: Like, even even when we were parked, it was like, <laughs> don't touch the light. <laughs> It was especially like if we would be driving home in the dark. And I'm like, I need the light to see. I I need to see what I'm grabbing before I get out of the car. <laughs> and it was always like, the light can't be on.
0: Yeah, it was always, don't touch the light, don't touch the light. So like, yeah. I remember I had a Game Boy Advance that I would play on road trips in the car. And I remember playing Pokemon ...on my Game Boy Advance, which, like, doesn't... It was old enough to where it didn't have, like, any light settings... ...so you couldn't, like, update the brightness or anything... ...so I'd have to use, Mm. like, the street lamps as we were driving past them... To get a glimpse of where i was and it didn't help because like i'd be stuck in this cave where i already couldn't see and then add not being able to see the screen it was just an it was a recipe for chaos i got lost in multiple caves when playing pokemon emerald <laughs> uh,
1: just because you couldn't touch the light either
0: just because i couldn't turn on the light to see where i was in my game Boy did I run into a lot of Whizmer! God damn it, I hate Whizmer. It's a stupid little <laughs> pink Pokemon. <laughs> uh, but no, that is also a thing
1: everywhere else. I
0: think. Okay, <laughs> cool. That's <laughs> why. Yeah. So Nixon's on the radio, and it's staticky, and he's resigning as president.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's a continuity issue. Sue, did,
0: what the hell, Sue? Just,
1: didn't he resign in, like, August or, so. or October or something? Look, I'm not American. I'm going off pure thoughts
0: That's fine. Thoughts here. I 100% grew up in America, and I don't know either. Uh, when did he resign? Let's see. He resigned in August. August, yeah. This is November. So, Sue, you done messed up. Remember how I said job well done? Sue, <laughs> I'll give you a 98% job well done. You yeah, I think one. most of it, like most of the rest of the film you could get away
1: with it, aka Time Warp, makes sense. But for this bit, it doesn't make
0: sense. <laughs> this one's on Sue. Sue, yeah. I'm sure you're a lovely person. I'm, you know, just saying you missed one. mm. I'm 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 sure this isn't the first time someone has pointed this out to Sue. Uh, probably not. <laughs> this film has been out for about fifty years now. Yeah, I'm sure almost it's fifty years. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah someone's yeah. probably mentioned it along the road. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm not the first person, but I am possibly <laughs> the most recent. Yeah, recent. Yes. Yes, uh, I agree with that one. Mm-hmm. So Sue, ninety-eight percent. Well done. Moving on. So. We then see a motorcycle pass from the opposite direction. It's apparently the third one so far. And I was like, Mm -hmm. sure. The motorcyclists do take their lives in their hands with the weather and all. And Janet is like, well, life's pretty cheap to that type. What the fuck, Janet? No, Brad said that line. Oh, yes. Brad does say, yes, Janet, life's pretty cheap to that type. So what the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> my bad my bad I, I mixed up on who said that line but like the Wait, sentiment just, is the same
1: <laughs> it's just that you hate janet so much you've just like projected that onto
0: janet <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah this one's on brad this one's on brad brad like be better i just i don't like janet and i have more reasons soon of why i don't like Jen.
1: no it's fair Shh. She is a horrendous character. I hate her so um, much. Apparently, like, Susan Sarandon made her that way on purpose, which is good acting.
0: (laughs) Hey, I have nothing against Susan. She's fantastic. I love her. Janet? Yeah. What the hell? Anyway, Brad, like, come on, that that one's out of left field. Like, Brad, that's just cruel. (laughs) There's a lot of lines like that in this film, but, like, why are you saying this? Right? like, I don't understand you. So, Please. Janet asks what's wrong as Brad is wiping the glass to see. And they must have taken the wrong fork because they've ended up at a dead end. And I'm like, it's not a dead end. It's the start of Dr. Frankenfurter's territory. And Brad starts to back up and then he hears a bang. They've crashed. And it must be a blowout. And, oh right, the spare tire, not enough air in it. Oh no, what's yeah. gonna happen now? So... brad's upset because the spare tire isn't fixed that one's kind of on you yeah and brad tells janet to stay warm he'll go for help janet asks where in the middle of nowhere and they pass the castle a few miles down the road and they might have a telephone janet's like all right fine but i'm coming too brad says no point in both of us getting wet janet insists and plus the owner of the castle might be a beautiful woman and brad may never come back Brad doesn't argue this, and they're just like, okay. And they get out, and they head out into the rain to head to the castle mm-hmm. with some beautiful CGI lighting. <laughs> Lightning. Yes. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. It is, it is good. <laughs> it There's is ho- The whole good. There's a Light song. Fabulous. Oh, we're about to get to it. <laughs> oh, I know, and
0: I have a gripe about it, too. Oh, I can't wait. I love gripes. So, we get a castle gate sign. And it says, enter at your own risk. And we hear a drumbeat start. And then Janet starts to sing. And as she is singing, she's getting scared by the lightning. But they seem excited because they found a light in the castle. And there's a light Uh over at the Frankenstein place is what they call it in the song. There's a light. Beautiful harmonies, by the way. Uh when They say, there's a light. And it says, burning in the fireplace. There's a light. In the darkness of everybody's life. And then they're Mm -hmm. just interrupted by four motorcycles with eight people total. And that's where my
1: gripe comes in. Ah. (laughs) It's like, I love this song. The bit that annoys me is they cut out a verse in between Janet's verse and then the verse that is coming up. And it's specifically a Brad verse. And the fact they've cut it out, I just really hate it because
0: they've just <laughs> done Brad dirty
1: in this. The best one. Because later on in the film, Brad is meant to have another song, but it was also cut. So Brad got both of his main things thrown out the window. And like I... in the stage show, they keep the verse and they keep Brad's solo song, and. Probably out of the entire soundtrack, Brad's solo song that they cut out of the film is my favourite song out of the entire soundtrack. And I'm like, that's just so sad.
0: They've done Brad dirty. They've taken they out really his verse here. They've taken out apparently his song at the end of the movie that apparently exists. Yeah. I don't I don't know what happened, so I don't have any context as to what's going on. No. But apparently they take out a song. It's not really a spoiler, that's just sadness. Um yeah, no, that's why I said it, because it's not a spoiler, because it's not in the film. Does not even exist? <laughs> it's it just not exist. there. <laughs> it's just not there, and it's really sad because it's a great song. <laughs> that makes me sad. And they've made him have to put up with J. God damn it. I feel so bad for Brad. Oh, That poor poor man. It is. It's depressing. I told you I hate her. I've made this very <laughs> clear. I don't like Janet. So, we then see someone watching from the castle and it's someone with pale long blonde. He's very pale. He has long blonde hair. And the lightning CGI mm-hmm. is fun. So, we then see a flag on the castle which kind of looks like a white lightning symbol kind of and that is
1: the rko symbol
0: what is like the
1: radio uh it's a radio company they they mention it in science fiction double feature towards the end of the song uh they mention rko and there's little alludes to like major companies like there's uh mgm is sort of in the film Uh uh-huh like they're just making little easter eggs and i think i think that's also where easter eggs like the term started from rocky horror as well because apparently they did like an easter egg hunt on the set and you can actually see easter eggs
0: that's cute in
1: some of the shots and i think that's where the term came from
0: (laughs) it's very possible i mean i'm very okay with thinking this unless someone comes in with a better yeah
1: unless it's wrong
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I'm pretty sure
1: that's where it started But that white flag Was an allude to RKO But I think it's like their Symbol for the people that are there As well
0: I just looked it up RKO, according to Wikipedia Was an American film production and distribution company Yeah I don't know if it exists anymore but
1: Yeah, and they did that for a lot of the film companies of that time are somehow represented within the film.
0: Yeah. But it was also defunct in 1959, so, like, a good, like, 15 or so years, I think, before this movie yeah. came out. I don't remember when this movie came out exactly. I just know that it's the 70s. Yeah, 75.
1: Sure, Why
0: So not? about
1: 14, 15 years, yeah.
0: So, like... Interesting that that's the one that they decided to go with and promote. But maybe it was because it was a defunct one. They could get stuff for cheap and they didn't have to pay like fees and stuff.
1: Yeah, probably. I'd say so. That would make sense since it's a low budget film.
0: It makes a lot of sense. We love not having to pay fees. So we're then back with who I'm now calling Cigar Man because we've never been told his name. It's like this narrator Mm -hmm. guy. But instead of calling him narrator, because that's boring, I'm going to call him Cigar Man. And Cigar Man says, you know, we see some maps, and they took a wrong turn, and they have headed to Frankenfurter. And it seemed that they found the assistance their plight required, or had they? Dun-dun-dun! Let's find out! So, we get to the door. Janet wants to go back, and she's cold and frightened. And Brad says, wait a moment, they might have a phone. He rings the bell. And it is answered by the man from the window. Brad introduces Mm -hmm. themselves cheerfully, explains their plight, and asks if a phone might be available for them to use. And the person who I'm thinking this is, because I think this is Frankenfurter, is just like, you're wet. And I was like, perfect. Perfect delivery. I love it. It's great. The only thing that made me slightly confused is that this didn't look like Tim Curry. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is. And he's just amazing makeup. I, I don't know. So, Frankenfurter, right? So Janet says it's raining. And then yes. lightning and the motorcycles get lit up right then. Beautiful. And mm-hmm. Frankenfurter invites them in and is like, I think perhaps you better both come inside. Again, great delivery. Great delivery. Inside, there sounds like. It's a loud party happening, and we see part of the house has an old staircase, and there are lots of cobwebs everywhere. It's very dark, very damp, and Janet is scared once again. A coward, this one is. And Brad says it's probably a hunting lodge for rich weirdos, and Frankenfurter comes well, it in. it is and... now. Well, it is now.
1: <laughs> it's a hotel.
0: It's a hotel now. I
1: can't remember what suburb it's in, but it's somewhere close to London. Let's find out. Hold on, and you can stay at the Frankenstein place. I know that, and for it being damp and wet, I know Susan Sarandon contracted pneumonia while filming Rocky, as well as um the room that they set up for heaters to keep on also caught light. So that's fun.
0: <laughs> no wonder so she was scared. You. So it is the Oakley Court. Hotel. I should remember that. (laughs) It is in Berkshire. Mm -hmm. And Berkshire, from where I am currently in undisclosed location in London, it is about two hours for me to get there. It's not far. It's not too far. Honestly, two hours is impressive.
1: Yeah, I've traveled longer to see family. So that's too bad. To get to
0: somewhere else in London, yeah, (laughs) does not surprise (laughs) me. So we then, you know, yeah. So apparently, you can stay at that hotel. Uh, let me see if there is a quick guess. It is a what looks like a four-star hotel, maybe five-star hotel. If I say, probably really
1: expensive.
0: Oh, I've just hit book now. We're just gonna see. So, for two nights, for two adults, let's see. A room is from 475 pounds nightly. Oof. Ouch. That's, I'm pretty sure, the smallest room. No, this is the large room with the river view. They have some other ones, which are a medium non-river view room, a medium river view room, and then you have the mansion house small room, and then the mansion house room. So they have a few rooms. uh, Above 400 pounds is what you're looking at to stay there per night if you would like to stay at the Oakley Court. None Out, of this has been sponsored by Oakley Court. So by no. all means, there are cheaper hotels. <laughs> yes,
1: unless you're absolutely obsessed with Rocky Horror and are willing to spend that money. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't suggest it. Yeah, maybe just go and take a few photos. Don't actually stay there.
0: <laughs> right, that you know what? If I have the time, we'll see. But also, that's a two-hour oh. trek.
1: So yeah well For four hours if you're going there and coming back it's the same day
0: oh god that's a that's a long day that's a long day of sitting on trains let's put it that way <laughs> it's a lot of yeah. sitting on trains
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, oh
1: no i could do it
0: Right. i mean i'm very <laughs> used to sitting on trains but also i ride a bicycle most places so like yeah. later This week, there are tube strikes, and the tubes aren't running. And my flatmates were like, oh, no, it's going to be horrible. Like, the buses are going to be, like, packed and everything. And then one of my flatmates was just like, oh, like, do you know exactly what days they are? And I'm like, no, I didn't even look. Because on any of those days, I have nowhere I need to go that I can't get to on a bicycle. So my plan is to just ride my bike.
1: (laughs) Which is fair, because we actually had train strikes last week. Actually, and it was just, of course, it had to happen when I had to go into the city. Of course, of course. like, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> We're just. But it's like, with us, it's, I mean, where I am, which is like Western Sydney, on a train is about an hour, give or take, into Sydney itself, you wouldn't ride a bike in. It would just, <laughs> just Fair. it would kill I mean... you.
0: Where I used to live in London, and I say London with air quotes right there. Because where I used to live, it would take us an hour on the tube to get into town. Now I live a lot more central, now that I'm done with school. Yeah. Which is nice, but at the same time, it's like, hey, okay. But yeah, I get what you mean. But it's just so annoying because it's messes with so many people's just like day-to-day life yeah that like we're and it happens fairly regularly to where we're just annoyed at this point um and it's just a huge inconvenience yeah and we were and a lot of us a a lot of people that i talk to i'm just like why can't you just do what japan did where you still ran the trains but you just kept all the gates open so no one had to pay to ride the trains So it doesn't affect Uh, people day to day, but the government doesn't get the money. And it's like, boom, the problem solved. Like, no one's annoyed with day to day, like something's not working when something like, you know, it's a simple thing of like some people like their only way in into central London is a tube. And if that tube isn't running, they can't get. To their job, potentially. And some of the jobs aren't even, like, jobs where you can work from home. Because it's like, you know, say a barista needs to get into central London to do their barista job. Yeah. And so it's just, like, it's just annoying. And I'm like, just leave the gates open. The government still doesn't get the money. But people can still get to work.
1: Yeah, I remember they they tried, tried in air quotes, to compensate for one of the strikes that they did. But they didn't actually tell anyone so we still ended up paying to get to wherever we had to be even though it was meant to be a free travel day but nobody said anything and i'm like you've got to be kidding (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we've lost like seven to ten dollars getting to where we have to be and we could have had that For free. Oh, that sounds like $10 I want back for you? Yeah. I I mean, like, 20, like, going there and coming back. But, you know.
0: I mean, the nice thing, at least, when you're traveling around in London, there's, like, a cap of, like, you're not spending more than, like, it's, like, nine or, like, ten pounds a day on travel. Which is still, like, a lot. But at least they cap it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. See, like... uh, depends with us because if you're catching like a bus and then a train straight away that price is then reduced but if you just say you have your morning and like you have a nine o'clock start so you leave at like seven to get to the city by nine and that 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 price is capped because it's like a bus and then a train but then it's such a long period of time between going in and then coming home. Although the second price is cap, uh, it's it's reduced, but it's the exact same as the morning.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's how it is here as well. It's not even
1: worth the reduced rate at that point.
0: Yeah, here it's like you're charged up until, every time you need to use it, you're charged up until you hit the cap number. And then when you hit the cap number, you can still use it, you're just not charged. Yeah, which would be lovely. (laughs) So anyway so the film Jenna asks because she hears all the noise she's like hey are you having a party and frankenfurter is like it's a special night it's one of the master's affairs and I was like wait are you not the master wait you're not frankenfurter oh this makes sense yeah you're not Tim Curry (laughs) yeah uh, not frankenfurter uh, says that it is an affair. It's a special night. And Janet says, lucky for him. And from the stairs, a lady in a maid's outfit and big red hair says, you're lucky. He's lucky. I'm lucky. We're all lucky. And then she slides down the banister and tosses a feather duster to Frankenfurter. But now I'm calling him Blondie because I still don't know his name. But it's not Frankenfurter. <laughs> so now he's Blondie. Yeah. Um, and then the clock chimes and Blondie goes to open it. It's midnight. And the chiming turns into music. And I was like, oh, look, it's the time warp. I know this one.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And the clock's
1: fun because there's a skeleton inside it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a fun skeleton yeah, clock. Which,
1: which, again, is a debate on whether, like, the rumor is that it was an actual skeleton of the woman who commissioned the clock, which is fun.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: apparently the clock got auctioned off to around, like, 2000, 2002, maybe. Sure. So who knows if the skeleton was also commissioned, like, I mean, auctioned off with the clock. Be sad if it wasn't.
0: I I would be very upset if it wasn't because, like, uh, that's just a cool skeleton clock. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Real or not.
0: (laughs) We don't know. So, anyway, yeah. the way that the time warp starts, because it's a it's a beautiful beginning, so I'll, I'll read out a few of these lyrics, and it just mm-hmm. goes, it's astounding, time is fleeting, madness takes its toll, but listen closely, not for very much longer, I've got to keep control. Very mm-hmm. interesting beginning to that song. So, Brad and Janet are freaked out, and they run into another room, and it's large and white, and everybody is wearing a is wearing black and sunglasses, and it's the annual Transylvanian convention. The music's taught, and then Cigar Man starts to teach us the moves. Here we go. This is my beautiful rendition of Time Warp. It is going to be bad. Ah. I promise I'm a better singer than this. I'm just reading you the directions. (laughs) It's just a jump to the left, and then a step to the right. Put your hands on your hips. You bring your knees in tight, but it's the pelvic thrust that really drives you insane. Let's do the time warp again. Let's do the time warp again. That's the song. Amazing. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Um, significantly a lot more fun when you listen to it with music and not me just reading words.
1: My favorite bit about Time Warp, though, is the narrator getting more and more excited each time he tells you what to do. Yeah, and I have like, that note.
0: <laughs> He's so like, this first
1: time, he's he very prim and up? proper. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, This time, he's very prim and proper. He has, like, you know, he's like a professor. He brings down the sheet. He has his little pointer. He's like, this is what you do. Yeah. You got to do this. That's where we're at. Everyone's enjoying themselves. Brad and Janet are confused. Brad and Janet are lured closer. And we get some more beautiful lines with a bit of a mind flip. You're into the time slip, and nothing can ever be the same. You're spaced out of... An you're spaced out on sensation like you're under sedation. Who? <laughs> uh, apparently, yeah. people are being sedated. So
1: uh, It's just, it's, it's, the whole thing is sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's the entire movie in it.
0: I'm here for it. Let's go. In just in one sentence. Hey, what's so rock, Rocky Horror Picture Show? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, which, honestly, just kind of describes rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. And that's basically what it was based on. It was rock and roll. So, yeah. we see some someone new sing a wild verse, and she's dressed up in a gold suit and lots of bedazzles and everything on this black dress. It's not like a dress, but it's not a corset. I'm not really sure what you call it. As you can tell, yeah, no, no. I like fun fashion and clothes. I'm just really bad at terminology, because words are hard. So... <laughs> A fun tap break where everyone watching seems underwhelmed by the tapping. I agree. It's kind of just oh, underwhelmed Nell. on the tap dance. <laughs> it happened, I guess.
1: I feel so sorry for that bit because um I think they put it in on purpose because Nell, like the actor, she was discovered tap dancing in London as a waitress or something. And I think her spot was secured within the cast was by sleeping with the director. So that's fun. Uh, (laughs) It kind of explains the tap scene there.
0: Yeah. Just a little bit overwhelmed. Yeah. You gotta love, you know, People doing, I guess, things to get jobs that they don't deserve. Yeah,
1: but at least she's an icon now.
0: That's <laughs> just a very overwhelming tab sequence. <laughs> hey, she got what she wanted. She did,
1: and now she's an icon here because she's Australian, and we're like, oh my god,
0: it's Mel. We love her. Show him. Show him. So, I, I this is where I have the note. I like that Cigar Man gets more and more into it each time. Um, by the last time that yeah. we see him, he's dancing on top of the table. And he's got the heads and everything, like he's doing jazz hands. He's into it. He knows his role. His role is to have a good time. His role is to yes. teach people how to have a good time and then have a good time. Yeah. He, he's he practices what he preaches. Exactly. He is exceeding expectations. So, Brad and Janet are slowly slowly trying to sneak out, and the song finishes, and everyone passes out, and Brad says, so, do any of you guys know how to Madison? Oh, Brad, so pure. And Janet wants to leave and says that it seems unhealthy. Brad says, it's just a party. Besides, they can't go anywhere until he gets a phone, and behind them, we see the lift is starting to move, and I'm like, Frank Janet is rushing Brad to ask someone. Brad... A moment don't want to interfere with the celebrations. Janet says that no, it's the Junior Chamber of Commerce and Brad's like well They're probably just foreigners with ways different than ours may they may do some more folk dancing Janet's like I'm cold. I'm wet and I'm just scared and She notices that the lift has arrived and Brad's like I'm I'm here There's nothing to worry about Janet sees frankenfurter's face and he's dressed as a vampire and screams and faints not that bad a few things about this one brad so pure just being like no we don't want to insult them we don't know who they are we are the intruders here like don't insult these people like they just might have ways different than ours and there's nothing wrong with that i love that i like that he message is very wholesome character <laughs> very wholesome that part has held up well to where it's still true like you don't know people yeah. and You know, you might be uncomfortable, but get to know them before you judge them. And Janet, you didn't have to faint. Like, Frankenfurter's (laughs) face ain't that bad. Just covered in white paint. I mean, I
1: would also faint if I saw Tim Curry, but a totally different reaction. It'd be a happy faint, not a scared faint. (laughs) Fair, fair, fair.
0: So... Uh Blondie is the handyman, which made me realize that he's riffraff, and then Uh Frankenfurter's intro song, I'm loving It, and some of the lyrics, don't get strung out by the way that I look, don't judge a book by its cover, I'm not much of a man by the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover, I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Great song. Oh, fun, he's in lingerie. Because why not? Yes. Why not? So he's having fun. Frank and is introducing himself. Now this song, there's a lot of plot that happens. So I have to read some of the lyrics. Just mm-hmm. because there's a lot of plot that happens in this song. Because Brad then comes up and is like, well, I'm glad that we caught you at home. Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. And just appreciating it. Thank you, Brad. He stayed on the beat that was established. Well done. (laughs) Musicality is perfect. (laughs) Yeah. No, Brad Brad understood the rules of the musical. A beat has been established. A rhythm has been established. You can create something new, but you have to be confident. And if you're not, stay on the established beat. Yes. So, well done. He stayed on beat, stayed on rhythm. And then the response is, well, you got it caught with the flat. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it all seems all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm sorry, is he calling Satan to fix their car? Or like... It wouldn't surprise me. One of his little <laughs> devil
1: minions? Whole, whole idea yet. Thrown out window every time Brad asks about it. It's These really
0: people don't have a phone. Brad. Brad's trying. So hard. He's trying,
1: but failing.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Frankenfurter goes back to his throne and is surrounded by the handyman, so Riff Raff. He's surrounded by the redhead and surrounded by the gold blazer person don't know who any of these Mm -hmm. people are yet other than riffraff and that's only because i've put together he's the handyman because it told Uh me (laughs) so why don't you stay for the night or maybe a bite i could show you my favorite obsession i've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan and he's good for relieving my tension and then frankenfurter is walking back to the elevator so come up to the lab and see what's on this lab i see you shiver with anticipation But maybe the rain is really to blame, so I'll remove the cause, but not the symptom. And then he leaves, heading up the lift again, and Janet and Brad are confused, everyone else is happy, and that's where we're ending this episode of Mm post-finale. Yeah, great song, Sweet Transvestite, fantastic song, amazing. Again, go listen to it. Like, the only reason I had to read all of those lyrics was because there was a lot of plot that actually happened in those lyrics of... Basically,
1: the entire plot, the entire storyline for the show is within Sweet Transvestite, or at least setting up for the plot is in Sweet Transvestite, so it's a very pivotal part of the film.
0: Yeah, because what we have set up now is that, like, okay, we've, we've understood how Brad and Janet got here. They got a flat, they're stuck here. But then, with this line where he's saying, I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan makes me think that uh, he's gonna create a man with blonde mm-hmm. hair and a tan. Uh, yes. Spot on. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna be really upset if it's not a man with a blonde hair and tan. <laughs> so I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> but Cheyenne, thank you so much for joining on this episode. If the people want to find you doing things out in the world, how do they do that? How can they find you?
1: Yeah, Instagram's probably the best bet. If they wanted to follow my makeup journey, it's shabbychic underscore Or if they just want to follow me, it's at shabby787.
0: Cool. I will link both of them down in the episode description. But Cheyenne, thank you so much for joining and you will be the guest thank next week. Thank you for week. having me. Yes, of course. Yes. So don't worry, listeners. Cheyenne will be back to talk more about Rocky Horror next week. But until then, thank you all so much for listening, and I'll catch you all later. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Post Malley. is created, hosted, and produced by me, Uncle Pindera. Our editor is Pranav Nair. The music is by Uncle Pindera and Megan Hutchison, and the art is by Jared Rother. If you'd like to gain access to this content, be sure to head over to patreon.com slash post and sign up for any of the tiers. Any of the money that is made from the Patreon goes directly back into the show to help make this a better show for you, the viewers. If you would like to support the show in a non-monetary way, be sure to share the show with family, and friends, word of mouth is the best way to help grow this show and it really does mean a lot to me. Just reach out and be like, hey, I really love films or I've been trying to get you to watch more films. Go check out this podcast where this actor talks about films that he's never seen before. He tries to guess what's happening. It's funny. It's silly. All around a good time and positive vibes. It really does mean a lot to me. And thank you to everyone who has done this already or will do this in the future. And also be sure to follow us on social media at Post Finale Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Some changes are coming to Post Finale. Don't worry, all the changes are going to be good and helpful for you, the listener. Just give you more options on the ways to listen to this show, review this show. And that's all I'm here for, is to help make it a better experience for you, the listeners. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode it really does mean a lot to me be sure to join us next week as we continue talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show and Cheyenne joins us once again and until then I'll catch y'all later